Good day, beautiful podcast family. I hope that you're here and now is amazing and it is a privilege and honor to be with you as always. We've got a phenomenal episode of the show for you today. We have got the Odinist on Benjamin Balder- Balderson and we're talking about Odin's alchemy. Uh, this is a very fascinating episode. I had a lot of research to do after this because I only knew a little bit of what he was talking about. Uh, but we talk about his amazing st- story of healing himself of having seizures in his 20s. We talk about looking at old cosmologies, how he got hooked on alchemy, uh, spirogyrics. I think I'm saying that wrong. Again, I had to do a, I've heard uh, a spagyrics. I think that's it. And uh, we talk about uh, the world battery, galvanic cells, the pineal gland, uh, the meaning of pH, the mud floods, Tartaria, the Yuga, um, the Ragnarok event, the polar shift, the story of Golveg, and so much more. This is a phenomenal episode. I know you're going to enjoy it. So if you do, please share it as far as wide as you can, because censorship is absolutely bonkers as you know um, if you want to support the show you can share it you can leave a review you can leave a comment on any of this on the platforms uh, become a member at mattbelair.com there inside the membership there's some bonus content you can get all the backed up episodes plus you support the show help it keep it going because patreon is not giving my patron back so if you want to chip in a few bucks it really does go a, a long way even if it's a dollar a month that's 12 bucks a year um, would be really phenomenal if you do enjoy this show um, for those of you guys who are looking to do a little one-on-one work you want to connect on a personal level it's actually quite easy you just need to hit me up matt at zenathlete.com and uh, we can talk about the soul compass or quantum heart hypnosis but if you're really serious if you're a person who wants to make a difference in this world you want clarity and power for living your life purpose um you want to you want to you don't want a job you're looking for a vocation and to follow your calling and you want a clear path to your purpose and know how to integrate it using all these peak performance tools within a supportive community hit me up for some coaching you go to matt mattbelair.com forward slash coaching or we can do a quantum heart hypnosis session which you can also get access to all of those on the website as well there are audios this is basically what i took from um, my peak performance uh, hypnosis background for how to visualize what you want but it is a very powerful tool for uh, overcoming limiting beliefs architecting your future and also going through some of those uh, common issues that we have so there's a fear to self-worth there's one for manifesting exactly what you want there's one for money abundance and prosperity all in the quantum heart hypnosis audios which are incredibly powerful effective and fun and done to uh you know brainwave technology and all that kind of fun stuff i hired a great crew to do that as well so they're very very powerful audios i don't really talk about too much but check those out the quantum heart hypnosis experiences but also it's very easy to get a hold of me so if i can help you in a one-on-one way uh, by any means just matt at zenathlete.com and i would love to hear from you uh the best way to support this show is to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world today and oh i forgot to be uh thinking my podcast lately so the goodinside.com the more i learn about uh heavy metals in your brain and your food and your water and all this kind of stuff it's so important to have a protocol to get the heavy metals out and the best heavy metal detox um, that I've come across so far is from the goodinside.com and get their heavy metal zeolite um, compound mixture and it is uh, only 13 bucks so you get $50 off if you use the code uh, MattB. So it's thegoodinside.com forward slash MattB. 
M-A-T-T-B, and get a bottle of that and uh, try it out, see what you think. And I use their uh, Super Greens as well. So I'm not that, I always say I'm not the greatest at diet. I do okay, but I add the heavy metals in uh, the detox with uh, apple cider vinegar and a green drink. And that kind of keeps me stable for the greens and also uh, getting the heavy metals out. So thank you so much for, for them supporting the show. It really helps. It means a lot, especially these days. Uh, it has just been a crap show out here in Canada and, and you know, doing the Law Summit and all these different things. So if you're listening to me, just rant right now. And I really appreciate you. I wish you and your family and your friends all the best. I appreciate the support. This show is amazing. I know you're going to enjoy this episode. So let me just stop yammering and let's come into a state of peace and cohesion appearance wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing take in a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath and let it out slowly filling every cell muscle and fiber of your being with peace joy contentment power faith courage and get ready to enjoy this absolutely phenomenal episode with benjamin balderson hello and welcome to the mastermind body and spirit show I'm your host, Matt Belair. As you know, we are currently overcoming extreme censorship. If you want to support this show, please share it far and wide, however you can. Uh, you can join the membership at mattbelair.com where all the episodes are backed up. You can download them, listen to your phone, you know, do it whatever you need to because uh, they're getting deleted everywhere. Um, but the best thing that you can do is to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world. Today, um, I was looking up some videos and people are being total a-holes. So the more you can do three kind acts in the world, uh, you know, we're being a part of the solution. So uh, today's guest grew up on a farm in South Dakota. When he was young, he took auto and diesel mechanics and joined the army. In his late 20s, working as an electrician, Wilson's disease cropped up and traditional medicine did not help seizures, so he started making his own. Through making his own medicine and reading old cosmologies and occult works, he discovered alchemy and this became a lifelong passion. He is the host of Odin's Alchemy. Welcome to the show, Benjamin Balderson. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Absolute pleasure to be here, brother. Bro, I knew the, I knew the, the time very... was I knew the time was going to come. I've seen you kind of you know making the rounds with all my friends, and finally got to see in some of your videos and what you're talking about. Um, you know, it's it's amazing, and we had a really great chat to open up. So I was kind of just giggling to myself. Some of the you know the alpha male stuff of like take no shit, and you know I I just like how you present your work because it's obvious that you you have knowledge, but you're living simply and you're doing it authentically, and you know it's not the most challenging thing in the world to do, but so few are able to do that. So I'd love for you to just share a little bit about your story, your work, and how you got into studying alchemy, because you're into, um, you know, uh, electrical engineering and things like that. And as a side note, one of my Native American elders told me that uh, your electricians are more spiritual than most of your spiritual teachers. And I said, why is that? And he said, because they're actually doing something. And I have also heard that electricity is the only energy on this planet, which I think is fascinating. So I'd love like electromagnetic. So I'd love for you to talk about all that stuff. So I'm excited to dive in. Why don't you just start with uh, telling the audience a little bit about yourself? Oh, that's, that's all fantastic. That's all fantastic. It, uh, especially since we're not real familiar with each other, you're going to, yeah, um, <clears throat> that's going to be excellent. But, uh, when I was in my twenties, when I was young, I always had, uh, uh, a questioning mind. I was always very intelligent, but in my stop, there's a guy hauling, uh, I've got hold stop! guy hauling wood back and forth that I cut yesterday. 
um, that came over to help. Uh, anyways, sorry about that. So I, in my twenties event, I was, uh, just chucking along, actually pretty much just living society at that point. You know, we all go through that phase in our twenties, hit 21 and you get the drink, you get the drink in you. Uh, that's, that's absolutely no good, you know, and you have to take them a couple of years of, uh, doing that. But then in my late twenties, I got, ended up developing seizures and, uh, you stop. I ended up developing seizures. And uh, because of that, they were putting me on these medications. The medication that they put me on was actually called Seroquel, which is originally an antipsychotic. And uh, <clears throat> I would take these things and basically within an hour, I would face plant and sleep that off for a little bit. And then uh, I'd kind of walk around like a zombie until my next, until my next dose. Um, and then on top of that, it didn't stop me from having the seizures. Um, it, it did lessen them, but it didn't stop them at all. Um, so I ended up trying moving to cannabis and working with cannabis. But the whole thing is, is when you're looking at just the plant, the plant isn't particularly effective for heavy medicinal uses. And what I've got going on with uh, Wilson's disease is I don't process copper correctly. So this copper will go up to the, my brain and build up and then I'll end up short circuiting with electrical signals. And that puts me into uh, these nasty seizures. So I started making these extracts and as I was making them, I don't, since I was uh, about 12, I had been interested in a cult when I'd gotten the time life books, the, uh, there was a bunch of weird old books that had like, uh, uh, out of body traveling, things like that. Um, and, uh, so then I just progressed throughout the age and I started noticing some of these things I was doing and it was matching up with a lot of the different occult works, you know, obviously, especially with alchemy. So I started going, well, why wouldn't I add the salt into this? If I can extract the salt out, I've already just pulled the, the oil out and the sulfur and purified that. Why wouldn't I put the salt in and try and do what they're talking about and see if this is more effective? Why not? And as I did, it became more effective and things started working better. And I started digging in and then it put me on this just lifelong journey where uh, uh, I'm taking old cosmologies, old theologies, looking at what they're saying and through the lens of an alchemist, applying these things to the real world and saying, what would this actually mean? What would actually happen? Um, one of the perfect examples of that, and this one's easy to look up, is the net. Now, the net in your Roman mythology is where uh, Vulcan comes home and finds his wife, Venus, uh, having an affair with uh, Mars. So as an alchemist, if you start applying the alchemical thoughts to that, Mars is iron and Venus is copper. Now, if you take Vulcan, Vulcan is a volcano. This is white fire. This is the fourth, the fourth phase of heat. And it takes that fourth phase of heat against the iron 
in order to get the iron to decarbolate, basically. So it's dropping out a piece out of a very stable molecule. Um, this is very similar to a cannabis plant where you can't just pick the plant, the nugget off the plant and eat it. It's not going to be effective for you or bioavailable. You need to decarbolate it, which is getting a carbon molecule that's bound up in there to drop out. And now this isn't a stable molecule anymore. It's going to try to attach to other things. And it's, that's going to be inside of you that it's attaching. So now it's going to attach to your receptors, things like that. Um, same thing applies when you're talking about working with metals. So if you're getting this metal sometimes to change states, different things like that, you need to sometimes make these molecules unstable so then they can rebind and become an alloy when you're trying to make an actual alloy. Well, when you do that with this uh, iron and copper, it makes this alloy called the net and it actually uh, spreads out into this purplish uh, sheet and it'll make little diamonds inside of itself, little geometric diamonds that just appear in it as it cools. And he uses that to hold uh, Mars and Venus up into the, into the corner of the room. So then when you start looking at that and you apply that, um, you start imagining uh, like what are Mars and Venus? Well, then your iron and copper is your blood pumps and it's the way your heart's working. So with your iron, you're drawing in oxygen. With your copper, you're pushing it out. So that's your red side and your blue side. You get so many people that get bound up in conspiracy theories about red blood and blue blood, but we have both, both all of us have both. One of them is drawing oxygen and one's pushing it out. It's, it's kind of funny. Um, <clears throat> but then this net holds them together. So it'd be like the heart basically. Um, and when you're talking about those stories, you're looking at the complete ether. So you take and can start applying these things to the actual world out of these and looking for the truths that we're being told, because we all know that information that it's going to come and go. But when you couch it in a story that is amazing and timeless, then that's going to get carried on and carried through. And eventually somebody's going to come along and remember and go, wow, that's like this and start doing these things. So that's the whole point. Wow. Well, man, what a beginning. Um, I have so many questions, but I'd love to start with just a basic one. What's, what's alchemy to you? Can you define that for newbies or the audience? And then when you say Odin's alchemy, what do you mean by that? Is that the cosmology with it? Absolutely. So uh, alchemy is uh, you take things in nature and you bring them to their epitome. So alchemy, like science, is more of a process than anything else. And with the one that it's easiest to explain with is spagyrics, where you take a plant and you take out, you're taking out the earth components and you're bringing this thing back into alignment with its perfect self and doing an alchemical marriage. So when you do this, you extract out the oils, which are going to carry the sulfur with it. And then you burn out the the body of the plant and you get it down to its salt. And then you marry these isolated oil in this salt. Um, and through the oil, the sulfur is going to imbue into the salt and enliven it. So what you've done is, is you've taken a live thing, broke it down into its two components. 
Um, the easiest way to explain that part is, is like with creation from, and, and part, the Odin part is because I'm an Odinist. And so everything that I follow is from Odin, um, which doesn't mean that there isn't truth in other things. And I do use other things. Odin himself says a wise man travels and speaks to other men, things like that, learns from other cultures. Um, but when you look at creation, creation started with just with uh, Gananga Gap, which is the yawning chasm. It's a void. And that's the all mother. And then we have Niflheim and Muspelheim, which is the world of fire and the world of ice. Now, this side is the material side as opposed to the, the void. And the material side's the all-father. But we don't have life yet because in Niflheim, everything's frozen. We have the immovable object. In Muspelheim, it's everything's fire. We have the unstoppable force. And the one side, nothing can take root. Everything's constantly changing in the fire side. Everything's constantly going. There's no root. In the uh, ice side, nothing moves. It's immobile. Uh, so nothing can live. Nothing can grow. Now, Gananga Gap pulls these two worlds together. And this is where you get your Vesca Pisces. And inside the Vesca Pisces of these two things that pull together, you have the fire and the ice meeting. And inside there's where life blooms. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> the same thing applies when you're looking at alchemy. If I pull these two worlds apart, which is what an alchemist is doing, and to the plant or to the animal, whatever, you pull it apart. Now these two sides, again, are back into their uh, unworkable, isolated sides. And then we marry it back together perfectly. Instead of just being a Vesica Pisces, we marry it completely unto itself perfectly. Uh, only the very lowest levels in the Vesica Pisces are, are married. Um, so you're just getting a small taste of what it would be to be the epitome of either side. When you marry the two sides together, you're getting the full potency of both sides. And so the plant medicine is going to be that much more uh, effective to you. Um, the thing that was stopping it and also the thing that allowed it to be on this plane was the carbon, the water and the cellular material, which are the things that we pull out and give back to the earth because they belong to the earth plane. And... <clears throat> You pull that out and then you put the salt and the oil back together and marry them. So wow. that's basically what alchemy is. And yeah, I'm an Odinist. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my mind is kind of going nuts here. So I, I want to make it practical. But one of the things I was thinking about it, when you're talking about this is, you know, the body is basically this, this chemical manufacturer. You know, we have all this biology and, you know, we have all these different chemicals going on. And some people say that, um, you know, what you want to do is you want to activate the pineal gland. So our pineal gland is getting attacked through fluoride and all these different things. So we don't have a higher self of awareness or a connection with spirit or things like that. And when you're speaking about all these things, it seems like you're talking about the alchemy of the body functioning to its highest potential. So if you eat um, potato chips and pop all day, you know, you're going to have a different bodily experience. You're going to think different things. You're going to feel different things. You're gonna have a much better or, or different result. So, you know, we know now from this last, um, you know, scamdemic 
research that it's become known that 1910 Flexner report, they hijacked modern medicine. So before that, you had all this homeopathic, you had all these, um, you know, tools and herbs and, and all these tinctures and things that would help you remain healthy if you somehow got sick from something. But if you're living in alignment with the way you should, you're probably going to be healthy anyway right? You're probably not going to need Absolutely. too much medicine. So that's kind of disappeared and it feels like it's a reemergence. So I kind of wanted to get your perspective on that. And then, um, you know, going into like kind of the pineal gland stuff and the spiritual stuff, you know, wondering, I, I always wonder what the maximum potential is. Well, what if I put, gave my body all the right things? I took out all the shite that I'm eating consciously or I don't know, right? You take that all out and then you start feeding your body what it needs. Like, what are the limits to my perception, to my consciousness, to my state of being, to my physical capabilities? And I, are you kind of exploring that? Is that where your work goes? Oh, wow. <laughs> and with some of the things that I'm, I've been doing lately, like, I, I got to tell you, I already live, obviously, very clean. The only thing that I do that's particularly uh, I, I want to cut out is smoke cigarettes. Other than that, um, other than that, I eat completely organic. Uh, most everything we try and get as much off of our farm as possible. Um, I'm a vegetarian. I live symbiotically with, with my animals. So like I'm eating my own eggs, uh, my own milk, things like that. Um, <coughs> but just, there is, I'm just laughing that... over here because of like the hilarity of the human vice. You know what I mean? It's just like, you know, we go in these things and you're like someone who's like peak performance. And so am I, and people talk about how to have it like the rigid way. It's like, sometimes it's like, Oh yeah, this is the thing that like I'm doing. And it's like, it's totally fine. It's like, not for, it's like, we're as close as we can. Like we're still human, you know, and it's just like such a, yeah. funny one. it's like, everything is so per It's like, no, I'm not going to touch that grocery store meat. I build it myself. I just smoke a cigarette while I do it. It's just, you know, humans are funny. You know <laughs> exactly. what I mean? It's like, we need that little bit of like forgiveness and humanness, you know, we're, we're, we're a work in progress. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and honestly, if I did cut that out, holy smoke, like <laughs> I, I don't eat processed sugar. We do everything on the farm. Like I don't drink alcohol. Um, nothing. It, it's like, that's, that one's, uh, that one's mine. That's what I got to cut out. My buddies like the marijuana and stuff, but like, you know, on the weekend, I'll just like drink, you know, a couple beers and it makes me feel good. It like, it shuts off my brain from the stress. But what I would like to do is I'm aiming towards that type of life, that homestead, right? That's, that's my, where my mm -hmm. sights are set. And I know I'll eventually get there. If I can have my own clean food, my clean vegetables, clean water, a simple lifestyle um, based around community and goodness, self-sustainability, that's where I'm aiming. And it might take me one year, six years, 10 years, but I will get there. So I feel like, you know, you're, you've accomplished quite a bit already. And I think, uh, you know, it's a very admirable way to live. And I feel like this is like biblical and it's also spiritual. You know what I mean? It's, it's a simple yeah. way of living. You're not looking at like, what I can I get, right? It was like, well, if I get all this money, I can go over and do this. It's like, no, how much can you um, connect with the earth? have a solid way of living. You know what I mean? Something sustainable that just feels right. It feels natural. So, sorry. I exactly. Going. No, and it's symbiotic with the world. That's a huge thing for me is symbiosis. That's part of why I'm a vegetarian. Um, because like my cows, uh, I milk my cows and, and it's a very, uh, you'd be shocked. It's, it's a long, tedious thing, but when you sit down to it, it's no different. And it literally is a meditation for me. And you really just start feeling, I, and I'll, I always lean my head up against the cow and I'll usually sing to her. And then you can just feel this exchange that happens between us. 
And, and the cow wants me to milk it, wants me to be down there. You know, that's, we're friends and she trusts me. And this is, this is our experience. And that's different than getting a store-bought milk, which is, uh, you know, out of number one, out of a cow, that's not really made for human. The milk's not made for human consumption. Uh, my cows are a two milk cows, but an A2 milk cow only gives out, I think my cows give out about a gallon and a half at a, a, a day um, I get from them each. Uh, where it, uh, A1 milk cow gets like uh, eight gallons a day. So commercially, that's obviously the better thing. So, But the problem is, is then most people can't process that A1 protein. And that's where you get all these lactose intolerance. Well, that's because it's a milk that you just can't process. We weren't made to have that. Them giant Holstein cows, you would never have that in your front yard. You wouldn't live in this symbiotic thing with that. It's ridiculous where my little yard cow, absolutely. It's almost like having an oversized dog that I milk. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I love that expression. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And you know, I kind of want to go back to where we're going. Like, um, so as far as like what you've learned, because here's the thing: like, I can see people out there, and they they think, "Holy smokes!" Like, curing yourself with your own medicine about seizures—that's pretty serious. So I'm wondering, like, the kind of two parts. Number one. What do you believe about like putting the right inputs into our body and what they are and what we need to take out to have a, a, a stronger, stronger disconnection with, you know, our bodies and, and what it's capable of. Mm -hmm. And then two, for like the everyday person, how would they apply that? Cause I would just be like, yo man, like this is my issue. Can you set me over some sort of wizardry that you're making over there? So what's, you know, can you touch on those things? Well, when you're looking, so when you're looking inside of your body, a human works literally just like a plant. And actually I did two episodes uh, on Crow 777 that were about the uh, salts of salvation, the cellular salts. So just like when you're looking at the plant, the salts that you were getting down to on the, on the root side, that's going to be your base minerals. That's, that's what your body's going to be structured off of is those salts. And in your origination, them salts is all your ancestral memories and all your ancestral roots and how you're going to be built. Um, when you're looking at the way a plant is, uh, the structuring is provided by the salt side, the crystal side. And the same thing applies even in electrical flow. When uh, you look at electrical flow, the electroconductivity, like water, water in and of itself is an insulator. When you put salt in water, now water will actually conduct electricity because now it has an electroconductivity, but that's actually going through the salt. The salt's what's giving the voltage or the structuring. <clears throat> so that's as opposed to your high side or your oil side. Now, when you're looking at what you're taking in, then these are basically like taking your body's like a Lego building. And yeah, your body is amazing. It will literally, if it needs something, 
it will take whatever available piece, including a Duplo or whatever, and jam it in that place. If that's, if it's missing something, it'll jam it in there. And it's cool with that. Your body is absolutely amazing. Uh, my grandpa, he got, uh, care, my great grandfather, he had a caretaker that started poisoning him with arsenic. And the whole way we found out is because he had to go to the hospital and it was the lack of arsenic that finally made him sick and set it off. And the doctor had her bring him in. They had, uh, uh, the, re the relatives bring in all his pills and they went through them and found out one of them was arsenic. His body had incorporated arsenic into his system to the point where without it, he started having seizures uh, from lack of arsenic. Um, yeah. So your body is amazing. It will thrive and throw pieces in anywhere with that obviously you're going to start getting a little weird when you over if you do that over a long enough duration of time one duplo or two duplos in that lego thing you know they that's it's gonna get a little weird but when it starts becoming a lot of duplos now you're starting to have cancer now you're starting to your body's breaking down you're having inflammation everywhere your biome isn't working right because you aren't giving your body the things that it work needs to work. The, I, it's insane that we listen to doctors who uh, the first thing that they talk about when they talk about nutrition is their caloric intake, which is your absolutely least valuable information, <laughs> least value. Who cares what your caloric intake is? That, that, that's absolutely ridiculous. Um, it's your minerals and your, the way that your minerals are operating and the bioavailability of said minerals. So when people take your food and then most people have heard that you take your vegetables and if you boil them and then throw your boil water out that now you've thrown out your nutrition and it's a lack of understanding how food works. So when you boiled it, you basically made a tea the tea pulled out the oil and that's the way some people even do uh, distillation for their uh, for making essential oils is just taking hot water and running it through the plant material to pull out the oil well without the oil you're left with this hard salt the hard salt will not work you can't unlock it it's not bioavailable you need that oil to come back in and open that hard salt up in order to make it bioavailable for you. This is a, a yin-yang type thing. These two pieces work together. And then even further, there's a third piece inside the oil that's a sulfur, your electrical component, your sun energy component that actually goes in and livens the salt and makes this uh, an extremely available and extremely functional thing for you. And even when you look at your uh, essential oil makers, they're missing half the picture because they aren't putting the salt in it. So this is basically like uh, having uh, that electrode in the water, but there's no salt in it. That electrode isn't going to do anything. It's not until you throw that salt in there that all of a sudden everything starts happening. Uh, everything, all three of these pieces have to be there and we've taken and broken it down. So when you made that tea, you took the oil away from the salt. And now that salt, even though the nutrition is actually still there, the mineral is still there. 
it's not bioavailable to you and you're just going to pee it out like all the overpriced vitamins everybody wants to buy. If it's not bioavailable, what's the difference? You can stay, you can, in a plant that actually ends up causing nuclear or a nutrient lock and it will in you too. Now you've got too much of that nutrient floating around and it's not bioavailable for you at all. So you, so, and because there's so much of it in your system, now your system can't use it. And you end up with some really weird diseases that crop up and weird, really weird problems. Um, now, one of the things that I've been working on recently then is, well, Luke, LC King and I have been working on this uh, world model because the entire, we all say that the whole world is energy and it's all uh, energy condensed, but nobody actually then applies that. And so Lucas and I have been applying that to uh, uh, this world battery. And it ends up being an entire biochemical battery. Everything is just biochemical electrical exchanges. And so your body and the world is just basically a galvanic cell. And the way a galvanic cell works is you have your two electrodes. And your two electrodes are basically going to be your cerebrum and your cerebellum. And you're looking at a positive and a negative power source. Well, the positive needs to be more stable than the negative. So your positive is your gold and your negative is your, is your silver. And alchemically, the sun is gold and the moon is silver. Now, the reason that that has to be like that is because in order for power to generate, the negative side needs to degenerate. That's why that's always the de degenerate side. And that needs to degenerate because then that's when the silver breaks apart, a particle of the silver is actually going to break apart. And the negative side or what they call the electron is going to go through the salt bridge and jump over to the anode or the cathode, I mean, the sun side. So now that's going to ch change the uh, electrical uh, uh, setting of the sun side. Now it's going to have more negative energy. Well, when that negative side released, so did the positive side. The negative side jumps down through this salt bridge and jumps right back up over into the other side. But the positive side then floats around in this uh, mercurial fluid. And uh, because of the change in charge where that negative jumped over to the to the cathode. Now that positive side, that positive, what we call an eye or what chemically they call an ion is now drawn over to the cathode because the cathode's got those extra electrons. Well, when it reaches that other side, it's going to merge with that electron again, but <clears throat> there's going to be the component of the mercury which is what your pineal gland is representing. So your pineal is the thing in between these two sides. And it's going to make this charge, uh, the transfer of this charge happen. That's why Mercury and Hermes and all those, it's the communicator, it's uh, commerce. What they're talking about is a biochemical exchange. So the Mercury, when it was over on the silver side, we were ripping apart. Uh, particle 
Well, that's an oxidation. So it's oxygen that's doing that. And the same thing is going to apply to your body. When you eat food, most people think that you use glucose and that glucose is what you run on. But glucose, just like we were talking about with the THC earlier in the cannabis, it has a carbon molecule that's locking it up, making it so you can't really use it. And so that needs to be decarbolated and that turns glucose into ATP. And now that ATP is able to attach to your body and be usable for you. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> excuse me. So that whole thing needs to always happen. You need to have this decarbolation. Well, when uh, with oxygen, that's always doing that decarbolizing. It's always oxygen that's pulling those out and pulling out these molecules and ripping it away. And that's a fission type reaction, which has a, a, a nice little charge to go along with it. Well, then that charge carries over to the cathode side and sits there and pulls that positive ion back over to itself. So when it reaches this cathode side, that ion is going to merge inside the cathode side. But now the mercury is going to be the positive mercury. Instead of ripping away, it's the giving mercury. And this is going to be hydrogen. So hydrogen is going to be the vehicle for this fusion reaction to happen. And with that, I had uh, uh, this guy that built a really awesome uh, Brown's gas machine, which is a hydrogen generator. Um, and we've been breathing that. And that's another component that your body is supposed to be 60% hydrogen. And when people say they're dehydrated, it's not water that you're missing. It's specifically the hydrogen that you're missing. And so your body is not able to take these uh, minerals infuse them into your body you're not even even if there's available energy you're not able to fuse it into your body without that hydrogen that your the water is basically the two mercurial components inside your battery that are making this whole thing function and without the hydrogen side you miss the fusion reaction and the fusion reaction is much greater than the fission reaction so that's been a really amazing thing to incorporate in. So I think a lot of these people that end up with basically what in a plant you would call a nutrient lock, uh, they end up getting rid of that because with that extra boost of hydrogen, you're able to incorporate more into your system that you weren't able to before. Everybody's walking around just chronically dehydrated in this country, especially all the people chugging energy drinks, you know, like they're going out of style. What the fuck do you even need all that energy for? You know, most you people do nothing but sit on your ass and you're just chucking, chugging those things. I mean, wow. What, why, where did your energy go? Holy smoke. Uh, but the, all these things, whether it's coffee, energy drinks, pop, every one of those actually dehydrates you, every single one. And this is all that so many people put in their body. Like when you're driving down the road and you see a, a jug that the trucker chucked out that's full of piss and the thing and that bottle looks like, I mean, it looks worse than my tea does. You know, you're like, wow, dude yikes your kidneys <laughs> your kidneys holy smoke 
Man, but, I was I was holding on by a thread there. It's funny because uh, my buddy's a, a an electrician, and so I was familiar with a lot of those terms. And um, if you guys aren't, you know, I definitely recommend you know looking in this stuff because there's something with um, you know electricity. There's something important about that whole thing. Um, one of the things that I heard again from one of my Native American teachers, he goes, "You have uh, two spirit guides, a positive and a negative, not to be mistaken with good or bad, because uh, it that's what you need to for your body to be the ground in the simulation." That's <laughs> like what? <laughs> that's so nuts. Yes. And so, um, you know, it's interesting how all of these things work together. And when we learn how they work together, we can optimize, you know, what we drink and what we eat and what we do and what we process. And so. I'm curious about the end result. So if I like, we're going to take like your two cents from what you just said there or apply it to my life. Does something exist? Like you're saying minerals and vitamins are not going to do um, what we think they are. Is there anything that's accessible that you think that a person should, you know, be taking to be able to um, make all these minerals, like bioavailable or, you know, kind of what you're talking like, to, well, again, to apply what you're saying, adding that hydro again, adding that heavy hydrogen dose is going to help. How do um, I, how do I hydrogen. do that? Like build a machine like that you have or. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You can, uh, if you want, I can hook you up with George Weissman. Um, and you can have him on and he can talk to you, but, uh, he has a PDF also that, uh, where you can just build your own. It's really a fairly simple thing. And so you're, um, so you're doing that as kind of like your day, daily vitamin. You just take a couple, um, breasts of, of, I sit for about half an hour and it's uh it's what it is is it's uh breaking down there's all kinds of arguments about this too it's hilarious but none of these people actually run the machine or anything so you know there's arguments about what water is and about electrons things like that but basically what you've got going on over here is an electrolysis process and this electrolysis process it's funny because not only is having the machine I think made me uh, feel a lot better. It's given me a ton more energy. Um, oh man, I'm hydrated. Like I go like that. My skin immediately just, it, it's like, there's nothing. Uh, immediately goes back to the way it's supposed to be. I, I've got no retention. Um, but then also understanding what's going on with the electrolysis process and seeing some of the things that are going on with that have just been, I've had so many epiphanies because we've been working on this world battery where the whole world's a galvanic battery. Your body is a galvanic battery, everything. Well, when you're, there's two sides though, because there's the galvanic side and then there's an electrolysis side also. And this is going to be the electrolysis side of things. But basically all this doing is, is We've take you take distilled water and you put lye. He he provides some lye and you make a mixture and then you have some electrodes that is in that the mixture is submerged um, and electrodes are submerged into it, and then you run a low power a low voltage power through it, and where we talked about the galvanic process where uh, it would break apart the different electrodes and carry back biochemically. Well, now you're throwing power into the system. So it's create, it has its own charge. So it's breaking apart what's already there. And uh, when you're talking about uh, lye specifically, lye has got a giant potential of hydrogen. So that's what pH means. And people say those words and don't even think about what they mean. But pH is potential of hydrogen. 
So when something, when something is base or like a 14, like lye is, that is a giant potential of hydrogen. It's trying to pull hydrogen like mad, as opposed to like an acid side. Acid is, is very hydrogenated. You've got, you know, like your really wicked acids or ones that's uh that's, and then your dead zero when we're talking about is your heart chakra your center, that would be your zero line or the earth plane. And you want everything above to be as positive as possible and everything below to be as negative as possible because there needs to be this whole exchange that's going to happen. And just like a magnet, the more heavily polarized it is, the stronger the magnet is. And you need to understand that that's the way your body is operating with this. So this electrolysis process is happening and, and I'm studying it and then just using the extra hydrogen, because what it's doing is, is it's electrically breaking apart water. And again, a lot of people are like, well, it's got the lye in there. Um, that's a, and, and people think that that's a hydrogenated uh, thing because it's a pH 14. pH 14 means it has no hydrogen. It's a base. Um, it's hilarious. So you get these debunk YouTubers and stuff and it's, it, it's hilarious, which I'm a YouTuber myself. I'm not <laughs> criticizing that as, as are you. But some of these people just put no effort and just go, go and, you know, but uh, you see them and then they say that, uh, well, you'd never re replace the lie. The original lie, as long as you don't get contamination in your thing, you're never replacing it. You're consistently replacing the distilled water. You go through a bunch of that. And then the only other thing that's getting put into the system, like I said, is electricity. Now, the super interesting thing about this whole setup is, is when you're looking at the earth, the crystal, the, the uh, salt bridge, your crystal bridge is underneath us. And then the, the electrodes in the cells, they're above us. And that's your luminaries and your planets, your sun, your moon. Um, so when you run this electrolysis process, this magic sludge, and we're just calling it magic sludge for right now, <laughs> ends up just appearing. And we're calling it magic because uh, George ran a test for three years. And every now and then you have to clean this machine out and dump the water out and let this sludge fall to the bottom of a beaker. And you pull the water back up, put it right back into the machine. Well, he started saving this sludge and over a three year period, there was 19 pounds of this sludge ends up developing. And so he takes the machine apart and starts chest checking all his pieces and all the electrodes and the plates weighed the same as when he started the whole process. There was no deterioration of those. So 19 pounds of, of this sludge, which the met, which matched the plates and the electrodes. So this sludge just appears that matches the same metal and it, where did it come from? How did that get there? Um, well, then you look at the uh, earth battery where now we're living on that sludge level. That would be us. <laughs> and then you start talking about the mud floods every time we go through this electrolysis process, because eventually when we were talking about the galvanic biochemical exchange, um, that's going to, that's going to break down and it's going to quit happening. And really what happens is, is the battery itself starts sulfating or the crystals from the, the crystal side 
start attaching to the cells on the upper side. So the battery kind of loses polarity. It's not a magnet, so you don't look at it like that. But really, that is what's happening is, is the two sides have now met. and You lose that polarity where you have that negative and positive. The two things are happening at the same time, so it doesn't really work. It's shorting itself out. And when then when you take and you hard charge the battery again, those crystals fall off and go back down into the fluid and drop back down. And now the battery is actually able to function again. Um, and that's what you're having with the electrolysis process. Man, uh, <laughs> bro, my brain is like hanging on by a thread, like processing everything. And then it's awesome that you brought up the mud floods. Cause I wanted to talk to you about that as well. Um, like the concept of Tartaria and harnessing the ether, because what you're talking about, it makes me think of a few things. You know, when I was in Egypt, I stuck my head in a wall. They said it was in Saqqara and it was just a square and I felt a visceral vibration. Um, going on. Mm -hmm. I've heard of these different medical treatments. Like I don't know anything about ozone therapy or if it's even uh, is familiar, you know, similar, but you know, we have these interesting different therapies that create some sort of effect on the body. And we know we're electromagnetic. Uh, um, then you go into things like, um, shoot. Oh yeah. I had these, uh, and I'm trying to get a hold of these people. They were very fascinating. There were two neuroscientists. It was a husband and wife and they were in, um, they're in Arizona. I always forget where it was like that one, the nice, you know, it's like the ritzy part of, of Sedona mm -hmm. or not or Arizona, not mm -hmm. Sedona, but mm -hmm. like the kind of ritzy part, I forget what it's called. Um, but they were there and they had this machine that they made and it was apparently just computers walked into this room and I could like if I could feel it viscerally, what was going on? It was like this heightened state of being, like a heightened state of clarity and consciousness. And I'm in there and they told me about it. And I was just like, how is this happening? And they said, computers. And I was like, what the F? Because I could feel it, you know, like some stuff you really try to have to get in there and, and, and you know, try to meditate it or whatever. Like this stuff was really visceral. Mm -hmm. So it feels like we're teetering on this technology. When we look at Tartaria, we look at cleaning out all the toxins that we have in our bodies and all this stuff that really limits our consciousness and our way of being. Now we're kind of moving and gravitating towards like a lighter body and etheric body or our full potential. And I'm just curious your thoughts on uh, that statement and Tartaria and all that kind of thing. I, I, Tartaria is a, a, amazing. And I think that, so when this electrolysis process happens, so the world goes through cycles and, uh, what we're talking about is a battery wearing down and a battery recharging. And then when you look at like the yugas, so you've got this giant golden age, you know, fair, bigger than all the rest of it. And what we've got is, is the golden age and the, uh, the Kali Yuga are split exactly in half. And that's the only place that this can happen. Well, half of this is galvanic and half of it's electrolysis. So when the battery, let's, if we start out with a nice fully charged battery and the battery wears down, wears down, things are going to get funky. Uh, you know, we start looking at our electronic devices. They start doing weird things. They don't work the way you want. My drill doesn't have half the torque that it used to. Um, and that's what's happening in the world. Well, then that, so then we move into this silver era where, you know, that's where things kind of work. They're all right. They're all right, but they're not great. And then eventually this things really start sputtering out, which is your Kali Yuga, 
Well, then we snap over into this recharge. And this recharge is going to be an electrolysis process. And as a heathen, that is Ragnarok. And almost every cosmology has this kind of event in it. But I really enjoy the way the Ragnarok event is described. Because in Ragnarok, then, when this happens and the society's broken down, the world's wearing out, then uh, Ragnarok and his army of giants ride in and all the planets or all the nine worlds align and he drives his fiery sword through the through the nine worlds and burns everything to ash well then also the army of uh, ice giants is coming and from Niflheim on the Negelfar ship and they meet the fire giants and so after the whole thing gets burnt to ash, then water floods back over the whole thing, which would be, again, this electrolysis process during the time that the world was getting made when it was just gods and monsters, there was a different sun and moon. And that sun and moon had tails that basically looked like comets. And we, and we refer to them as wolves that chased the sun and the moon. And uh, that's the electrolysis process, energy coming in. So the cathode and anode are breaking apart and energy is flowing away from them. They're actually literally getting, literally getting smaller. Um, then uh, after the battery is full, now it flips over to the galvanic side, which is a biochemical exchange. And it takes a few days for that to build up just like any chemical exchange. Uh, you know, you, when you pour things in together, most of them aren't so vi violent that they happen fast. And when they do, it's not good. Um, so it takes a few days for this exchange to start producing energy, which is why you have that three days of darkness. And then when the sun and moon came back, they were not chased by wolves anymore because we're in the galvanic portion of the cycle. Now, when it flipped into that uh, uh, electrolysis portion, that was a hard charge of energy that came in that was not coming in. So that immediately just causes problems for the whole system that was running and burns it apart. Now, uh, where that energy is gonna go most when you're looking at the world battery is any of the ley line points, the crystal grid points, because that's where the net most negative energy was supposed to flow. And so when we start doing this repolarizing, which is what's happening, the most energy is going to get shot down into those ley line points, which is where they put major cities and, you know, major uh, hubs of humanity. So when that electrolysis comes, that's going to be where it hits and it's going to burn away that entire society. Everything organic in that area is just going to get crisped to a dust specifically. But every time then humans then end up coming back up out of the mud, which we see that all the time, like uh, recently where they've had the flooding down in Arizona, um, the Mitch, the Oregon guy where he's doing uh creating a lot of moisture in the atmosphere and all of a sudden animals and plants that they didn't even know were there are just crawling up out of the ground. 
like in this and you see this happening numerous times this isn't even an odd thing the the weather conditions change in an area the environment changes and all of a sudden old life that was there will start appearing there again it's fairly amazing like uh, just like flour you know uh, you can hold flour weevils don't come into the flour you can put it in whatever kind of sealed container you want as perfectly sealed as you want but if you get a little bit of water in there all of a sudden you got weevils in that flower. No matter what you ever do, them weevils were just waiting to be activated in that flower. And, and that's just how it works. And the same thing, you can look at the ground is the same thing for uh, so much life on this particular plane. It's just waiting for that moisture to come in and activate the life. Every uh, spring and fall around here, you know, the rain just finally came after a horribly dry uh, uh, summer here. And there's mushrooms and fungi and life just screaming as soon as there's water. And as soon as you get that mercury in order to create these uh, energetic transactions. Well, that reminds me of a story uh, Zuni elder Clifford Mahudi was telling me about um, the Grand Canyon. And he said that his people or, or I can't remember exactly who was a Zuni or what, but they had to hide in the Grand Canyon for years. And the ant people apparently uh, help them, you know, when it was safe to get out, they helped them survive underground. And then they were ready to reemerge when whatever process on the planet had kind of unfolded. And there's these interesting hieroglyphs. And, you know, I was fortunate to listen to Clifford, you know, um, translate a few, which is very different than anything else you'd hear on the internet or some, some stuff like that. So it's fascinating. And I'd be curious your point of view on, on what you think is happening on the planet now do you think that we're in one of those mud flood cycles i've heard of you know the polar shift right so a lot of people talked about a polar shift um some people call it the great awakening some people think uh you know many different things so i'm curious on what your view uh, is on what's happening in the world now and then what we can do practically as individuals to prepare for it mentally emotionally spiritually tactically you know some people is like oh you got to get to a high zone because when that this happens, you know, you're going to get flooded out. And I've heard that stuff and it's kind of terrifying. It, you know, it could be, you know, but you know, there's so many, so much fear out there. I don't want to live in fear either, but I want to be also aware of what's going on yeah. so I can make a, a practical choice. Absolutely. So when you look at that, the polar shift, that's literally switching from a galvanic to a, a, a electrolysis process it's amazing because when that happens what was the cathode and was the most cathodic now becomes the most anodic and the whole thing flips and that's just literally the whole process flipping on its head so that's a very normal thing and then with this electrolysis process comes this magic sludge so which which uh, we don't have a, an exact at you know i i have a thing i have a pretty strong theory on it but we don't have an exact answer for where this just sludge is just appearing out of nowhere um so this is a, an actual flip that's happening now it's very interesting because then you look at uh some of these sites that they're finding like gobekli tepe where they're like well, they buried this functional civilization. They buried this whole thing for no apparent reason. Why did they do that? <laughs> you know, well, they might have been trying to salvage that, realizing that this, um, realizing that 
sorry, we got a storm moving in on us. Uh, realizing that this giant electrical discharge was coming. Well, the whole thing is, is uh, for yourself to try and start preparing a, I would say move away from any of the giant ley line points because that's where the discharge is going to discharge at is these giant ley line points. And that's not something that's evil. That's not the archons attacking. That is just where it's going to discharge because that's the negative point that that positive needs to discharge at. So that's going to be in these giant city centers and these giant ley line points where throughout most of history, it's been beneficial energetically to live in those spots. Now, because of what's coming, you don't really want to live in those spots anymore. You kind of want to go into a spot where you're not getting a whole lot of that discharge that's going to happen. So kind of an energetically dead spot. So really it would be funny because, you know, normally you would have spent your life looking to try and place yourself like a holy temple, you know, place your home as close to one of these areas as possible. Well, as this part, again, with the same with this battery where the crystals bound up with the plates, so you lost your polarity, the same thing's happening with us. We are all becoming a highly, highly etheric society where we aren't rooted in any way, shape or form. Most people have no root whatsoever. The majority of society is literally living in a box in the city. They go from that box. They touch nothing but concrete out to their car. Their car was uh, turned on by a little key fob from their apartment because they couldn't handle the idea of sitting in a car that's a different temperature than their apartment is for two <laughs> minutes, waiting for the damn thing to warm up or cool down or whatever. And, you know, then they're going to get to their office building and take 10 feet on a sidewalk to get back into that same box that's temperature controlled, that's providing, you know, artificial light. You have no root whatsoever. You are not with the world. You're, you're creating this isolated thing and you have no root. And when this discharge happens, you need to be as rooted and grounded as possible. You need to have your feet in the ground. That's how you get prepared and you start living back. Cause when, whenever this, this flip over happens, even when you look at it historically, the, whenever a society falls, like the Romans, who did the Romans, and I'm not saying history is a lie, we all know, but we look at the story of it. The Romans fell to the Huns. The Romans were this high hooty hoo society, the height of science, the height of civilization. They were also the height of degeneration, the height of immorality. Um, you know, this just crazed society that like men were becoming women. There was all kinds of homosexuality. They would have these huge parties where they were just being depraved and having sex with each other and getting drunk and eating as much food as they could while the actual people that worked had nothing. Um, that Sounds society. Like gets today. <laughs> yes. Yes. And who defeats that society? The Huns, the Huns who ride around on horses, literally put meat underneath their saddles to tenderize it while they're riding around into battle. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, just having a slice of beef, beef jerky as you're like bow and arrow and sorting people. 
Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Just savage root root people. These people can sh- show up anywhere and they will live just fine, just fine. Um, and they, that's who they end up falling to. And that's always what happens is, is you see these high etheric societies end up falling and moving to a more root society. Because eventually when things get too etheric, it's the same as a, a fruit tree that you let the top outgrow the root. It just tips over. Yeah, and it seems like, and when you're, when you're chatting about all these things, you know, it's, it's cool for me as a perspective, as my mind is trying to process what you're saying to me, it's just like the polarities and the balance, like in the Kybalian, it says, right, uh, there's, there's a negative and a positive, but it's on the same polarity, you know, it's like they're both one and the same. And so it's an interesting thing to see it as cycles and polarities and how it's necessary. The same thing. Exactly. Yeah. And for me, you know, my, my understanding of that was through like martial arts and the yin and the yang and how they're both necessary. It's not necessarily good or bad. They're just different. And they, and they um, are necessary to make the whole. So as I listen to this, it's just an interesting processing for me. And my, my question I'd have for you is what's, uh, what's your view on God, the creator are living like spiritually correct or the afterlife let's say you know we want to be led and we want to live a good life and we have uh, a challenging world where we need to make money and do all these different things we'd like to be healthy and provide for our family and there's a lot of matrixy illusiony type of stuff and when you look into religions and to spirituality there's all these kind of paths to god and i think most people out there who are seeking are good and honest people and you know, finding the quote unquote right path or the right creator, the right thing. So for you, what's your view on, on all of that and how we can kind of get spiritually, morally and ethically, ethically uh, correct and, and move in a way where we're kind of, you know, seeing the creator or God like work through us and with us. So in my opinion, and, and, and the funny thing is, is this is going to sound very churchy, even though I'm not, I'm an Odinist, but we have, and almost everybody has the same thing in their culture. When the Roman historian Tacitus first came upon the heathen people, he marveled because they had no money. They didn't have a monetary system in any way. And that's because we learned the story of Golbeg. Now, Odin and Loki were out one day and traveling on Midgard. And Loki ends up killing this otter and just, just because, and they go over to this farmhouse where this dwarf is. And uh, the dwarf as is heathen custom invites them in and for supper. So when they go in, Loki says, well, we aren't poor guests and whips out the otter and says, you know, we have something to offer. And the dwarf says, Oh my God, that's my son. And this whole exchange happens. Well, it turns out that this, this dwarf family has a predilection toward being able to shape shift and this son would turn into an otter to go fishing and made it easier to catch fish. So obviously some recompenses in order here. So Odin takes and he sends Loki to get this treasure hoard of this dwarf and Vari. And, uh, through it, through this whole thing, is a curse. And this curse is on Anvari's ring. And this is what actually the Lord of the Rings is based off of. That entire thing is based off of heathen cosmology. Well, this ring, and 
it either is its own treasure hoard, it can make its own treasure, or it pulls it to it. Either way, we're talking about a treasure hoard that's all surrounded by this ring. And when Odin gave this to the dwarf, it unleashed Golvig. Golvig is the spirit of money, of the hoard. And that got unleashed on the world. And before that, we didn't live by that. We live by what's Fehu. Now, Fehu is represented by a cow. Now, that can also be a tool, uh, my field, something that I am putting my energy into and is also valuable to me. The cow, I feed it every day. I milk it. I take care of it. The cow provides me milk. She has calves. I could go trade her for other, for other goods, um, other things. I want a wagon. I want two horses, whatever. I, same thing with her, her calves. I could do, go trade those. So there's a value to me, and I'm valuable to the cow. I'm taking care of the cow. There's this in-life natural symbiosis that's happening. And the same thing with my field. I need to go out, plant my field, water it, make sure it has good nutrients, that the, bio, uh, that the biome is proper so the stomach is good on the plants. All those things. And then what comes out of that field is valuable to anybody, to me, to you, and it has value. This is entirely different than Goldveg, which doesn't have a place in the runes. Fehu is the very first rune. Golveg does not have a rune and you would never have all the wheat in the world. You would end up losing the vast majority of it because of rot. And you would end up with all the rats in the world and all the problems in the world. Living like that, you don't end up like this. You can't really hoard in nature that much. You can some, but it doesn't work out and everybody knows that. So it's a very unnatural thing. Now, with Golveg, with this gold hoard, that is the nature of it. And almost anybody would tell you when they were a little kid how they wanted all the money in the world. That's well, why, if again, if I had all the wheat in the world, that'd be a problem. If I had all the money in the world, that could just sit there and rot, and it won't rot. It won't go bad. And, and so it has this spirit of the hoard. We didn't use money in any way, shape, or form as a, as a people. And I understand that money, the idea of it is that it creates a, a medium of trade. And that seems like a good idea. It really does. It's intelligent. It's logical. But the whole reason that when Tacitus came upon the heathen people they didn't have any money and either did most cultures outside of the Romans and the Christians. We didn't have money because we know it's better than that. That cannot be any good. It seems like it's going to work out, but it's like that ex-girlfriend that really is hot. And, and, you know, it's a couple of years later and, you know, let's try this again. And it never fucking works. Just get over it. Just get over it. Yeah, you know, and, and, and that's, that's what money is. We need to start living, getting our roots back in the ground. And that's where your spirituality is going to come from is living in symbiosis with the world, with nature and not living in this other uh, unnatural thing. And, and, and the thing is, is 
when you look at it, then like, look at the ultra rich. They don't have morals. They don't need morals. They can just use their money to do whatever. They don't have to live naturally. They don't have to live healthy. They can just use money to pay for whatever. This money becomes its entire own thing that is like all encompassing. Where when you start living without it and living in nature, now, now you have to do things right. Stop. Now you have to do things right. You can't just throw some money at the problem. You can't go out in public and, and, you know, destroy a hotel room because you're Johnny Depp or whatever, and then just chuck a few thousand bucks at the hotel manager and it's all cool. You know, you actually start having to pay for your penalties and that makes you live right. And that's right. you are supposed to live like that. You're not supposed to be this weird jackass King because you have the big horde. Wow. Well, that's a really powerful story and analogy. Um, So for people who are living in, in cities and they're, and they're kind of connected to money right now, that's their way of being. How would you, uh, you know, or what would you offer them as far as perspective of being able to provide for their family for the things that they need um, while trying to move toward this uh, more natural state of abundance and living? Because I feel like this is what the, the transition time is, right? Is like, you know, you're going to choose to continue to participate with Babylon. And if you want to participate in Babylon, well, you need to take this genetic modification serum so that you yep. can buy and sell. And so you might end up having that choice sooner rather than later. Like we hope it's not going to go that way. And uh, also when you're talking about, you know, the spirit of money, I remember learning about a word, uh, egregor, you know, it's like the spirit of something like, what is the spirit mm-hmm. of money? We talk about the spirit of hoard, right? I need enough. It's like the squirrel, you know, trying to take as many nuts as, as possible. But, you know, in nature, we take what we need. Right. And this is what I learned from, you know, studying with different indigenous elders as well Is like, you take what you need. You don't you go take out the whole thing of Buffalo so you can make a profit. You take the one Buffalo to feed the, you know, your community and that's it. Right. Because why out, why would you go exactly. do that? And the people who needed something, they were given it. And so it's a totally different way of living. And, and that seems to make sense to me. And what do we need as humans? We need food, we need water and we need shelter and we need place to grow and thrive and have fun and song and dance and all that kind of stuff and we're conditioned to think we need these electronics and these possessions and it's just just this artificial world where if we had all the food and water and shelter we needed something comfortable right then we can go explore but to participate in this exploration now you kind of have to say well i need more money so i can buy these electronics that i want and this car that i want and this thing that i want or i can start kind of intending for a more natural way of living and natural way of being. I don't, you might not know how to make that gap yet, but if you keep intending and problem solving it and moving towards it, the solutions will appear. And I'm curious how you would, um, you know, advise people who are even thinking about that or considering that. The, the, the very first thing I would do is, is give up as many of your comforts as possible. <laughs> um, comfort is the greatest weapon that was ever used against us. It's amazing watching people today that just like you put any pressure on them whatsoever and they crumple and just fold like like wet toilet paper. It's amazing. 
And that's because they've never put themselves to the test. The, the human body and the human spirit are the most amazing things. The more you put them to the test, the stronger they are. It, it, it's just amazing. And the less you put them to the test, the weaker they are. That's just the way we're made. You will, even your spirit will atrophy if you just let it sit around and rot. Um, it's how we're made. So give up these comforts. Understand you don't need to be 68 degrees all summer and you can feel some heat. You can sweat. It's okay. It's okay to feel uncomfortable. Then that evening when the evening chill comes in, you just fall right asleep because you're just, oh, oh, it's so nice. You know, you don't even ever get to experience any of these oscillations in life, which is where life is. Um, there's almost every community has a community garden where you can go down and start actually actively taking part in your own food production, in your own food supply. Uh, get together with a couple friends and maybe go out somewhere. If you don't have a community garden, go out somewhere and find a place where they will let you do that. You know, it's not that hard. Most people just don't want to put their effort into that. They can throw money at it. Well, I can just go down to the farmer's market and that's, that's okay. And throw some money at which I don't mind farmer's markets, but, um, and, and if I need something, I will go there as opposed to a grocery store, but that's entirely different than going and doing it yourself and taking part in it. Cause then you do have the spirituality of it. You do have the understanding of it. I, I know how good my eggs are. Like when I go in and bring in an egg and I know which chicken it is or which turkey or whatever, and I'm so proud of it. And I know what that turkey ate. I know what that chicken ate. Know what's in this egg. I know what's in my food because I'm the one who did it. <laughs> you know, there isn't this question. And, and so there's all kinds of ways, even when you're in your city, even when you're in the city, you can be growing microgreens in your apartment, um, doing things like just having a little, a little light that's growing all your microgreens and doing different experiments with your organics and whatnot and seeing how that works. So that way you just start saving that money and you can start moving yourself into a better position. Cause that's the whole thing is, is most people through all their comforts, I mean, just between their Hulu and their internet and their, just their entertainment package, people and their phone and all that. You're most people are spending as much as I live off of at that point. Hey, just before they get through their entertainment package, much less everything else that they're spending money on, like electricity. Even when I first moved off grid, as a when I lived on the farm, and which is where I lived most of my life, when we were just on the farm, we thought we were frugal. We really did. And we get off grid, and like every hour, we're pulling 2.4 kilowatts of power which was nothing on the farm. We actually had a, a low farm bill compared to everybody around us. But when you get off grid, that's screaming. You're like, what are you doing, buddy? Trying to burn up all the power? Like, geez, 2.4. I live off a of 0.2 most of the time now. Not 2.0.2. And that's a fact. Like, especially if there's not incoming power, you know, during, and you start learning to live by nature. When should I be washing clothes? When the sun's out hitting my solar panels. When should I be doing this? When this time happens. 
So now all of a sudden the world starts controlling me somewhat. And, and, and no, is it controlling me in a way that it makes me do something? No, if I want to go out and uh, do something when the time is not appropriate for it, I'm going to pay the price. And that's the thing that all the people in the city are doing is they are paying that price because you want it to be bright as day at 10 o'clock at night and you want to sit around and be entertained and, and be warm or be cold or whatever when that is just not the time for it. You know, normally you would let your fire go down to coals in the evening and you might sit around with a little candle and read for an hour or two. But when the lights go out, you're basically a bird. This is... Uh, I'm so glad you did this early because you can see, especially recently with some of these shows with the time, because I don't usually, I don't notice the time change. I live by the sun. And, but on these shows that do, they're like, yeah, I can. And like the other day I had a seven o'clock show. And as soon as it gets dark, I'm like, it's like a bird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was yawning through half the show. It was horrible. I felt so bad. I was like, I couldn't help it. I'm like, it's been dark for like two hours. I, I'm supposed to be in bed. <laughs> Man, well, that's amazing. And, and what I'm hearing is it's just a natural way of life. It's a natural cycle. It's a natural way of being. You said something really simple that almost nobody can, can say. It's that I know where my food comes from. Right. And, uh, you know, I produce that and that's so important. And even if we had that within communities and I had a, a Jeff, I think it's Jeff Gale was on and he talked about, you know, food forest abundance and, and recreating the Garden of Eden. Well, you know, they make actually and I didn't even know this. Of course, they would do this. They were like, they make it illegal to have chicken coops. They make it illegal to have fruit trees, mm -hmm. you know, in, in your cities. Like, why would you do that? If there is enough fruit everywhere, I could just go down the street and be like, yeah, I don't need food because I got, you know, I can eat apples and, and whatever I need all day. I'm going to be okay. And if I want to have other stuff I can, then that's great. But we're not living like that. So we need to create that within our communities, like uh, with Curtis Stone and, and the urban farmer having a, a garden in your backyard or the microgreens, like you said. And, you know, that whole way of, you know that natural living and for me the way that I've been able to get it it's like I would take a few months off and I would go snowboarding or I would go meditate somewhere I'd train and I kind of like be really simple and I would live by the day and it felt so much better it was more natural like I get up naturally early the only time I could ever do it and I go to bed because I'd just be so zonked out and um, you know that's how I think we're supposed to live and we've moved into these artificial realms and now it's become so artificial we forgot what's real we forgot you know what was true what was authentic you know what was honest and and so that's what i feel like we're being offered right now is to move back to you know having an analysis of our life and saying you know which one of these things you know if i take all of the in inventory is necessary is harmful right not saying you have to cut it all out and go crazy but now at least start entertaining that idea and seeing what it likes it's like to live the other way because when you do it usually feels a lot better and you're probably going to be more fulfilled more happy more energetic more healthy all these different things and it doesn't have to be overnight it's just considering and taking inventory of how you're living and how how maybe you're meant to live right because we've become accustomed to this comfort right and the way it is and, and i totally agree with that i i had that epiphany during like uh, covid and i did a, a a little post on it just like you know people are so comfortable they forgot what it's like to be human all they're doing is yep. seeking more and more comfort right we don't know how to do do so many things so man this has been you know beautiful is there anything else that uh 
you wish that we had covered or you think that's important to talk about before we close it out? No, no, I think uh, I probably left enough for everybody to chew on. I didn't, uh, I kind of <laughs> went gonzo, I think. Uh, <laughs> I'm usually a little bit more, it's been a real heavy epiphany couple weeks. And so the last couple of shows, instead of holding back, it's just been a bad deluge of information. <laughs> and, I, and I do apologize no, a little bit. Good. Yeah, there's so many other rabbit holes they can go down to like Tartaria. <laughs> how do we make our own energy? Where are we going? Like, you know, it's good, though. Like it gets the brain titillating. And it's such a, you know, I can see just as a side note, man, like these stories you're talking about, I've never heard of. You know, I could just see with your YouTube channel, just doing these stories. And then maybe your interpretation after I think would be really powerful and really interesting. Because even these characters, I the only know, like I'm like, all right. I know some of those from Thor, but I kind of know what the hell he's talking about. Um, but they're they're really powerful, and I feel like there's a lot of wisdom passed down from many different cultures, and it's the interpretation of it. And does it ring true, right? Does it ring exactly. true? It's like you, but once you know, you can make that choice, right? You know, it's probably more natural to do this, but you know what? I'm going to eat a bag of chips. I'm going to eat nonsense all day, every day. Right. And then there might be uh, a time where you want to change, but you heard the truth. You had that opportunity and it's available to you when you're ready to take it. And it's available to you when you want to will and pray and move towards it too. It doesn't have to be overnight. It's like, you know, this is where I'd like to move because after thinking about it and processing it, it's something that resonates. Exactly. No. And, and, and any overnight change is almost never a change that sticks unless it came because of some heavy trauma. But if you're just decided, you know, you've got to get in, experience it, figure out what's for you. We've had a number of people come out to the farm, had a giant thing last year with about 30 people and they all kind of immersed themselves in the life I live. And, and some of them took some snake Jones went and started his own farm. Um, my producer Jared's looking at starting a farm they all took different levels. Not everybody wants to go completely off grid like I do, where everything's dependent on me. I, if the power goes out, that's on me. If the water goes, has a problem, that's on me. Like every little bit of it is generated by me. Not everybody wants that level. So they, they pick the level that they're comfortable at because our society didn't start out as independent people that were given all the tools that they need to be successful and independent. Our society started out pampered and privileged. And the only thing we're missing is a Devon when somebody feeding us grapes and, uh, <laughs> you know, we live better than any King ever did. Yeah, absolutely. Well, man, this has been uh, phenomenal. Where can people find more about you and your videos? And I know you're doing your show again and you you're doing it for a while and it's really <laughs> Uh, really big and then you know censorship like all of us so i'm excited to see where this evolves and and what you kind of come up with so where should people stay in touch with you uh the best place is going to be benjamin balderson's odin's alchemy on rockfin um like you said the censorship i've had uh i got i got censored actually by a tv station so by official censorship and then more problems and then you can shake a stick at with youtube uh, a guy just gets tired of it. You try and put a lot of work in your heart into something and then it's just gone. Um, I don't have the technology to hold these things and keep all the, I, I just got my first computer like three months ago. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, everything has always been dependent on other people, which anytime you depend on other people, you get what you get. This is again, just, you know, it's the same lesson as I have with my food. It's 
it didn't work out for me. Um, but now it's, uh, I'm on, uh, Rockfin, and then, uh, you can find Benjamin Balderson over on YouTube. I only put little bits on there. Cause as soon as we say something that, uh, the world really needs to hear YouTube says, nah, not so much. <laughs> Right. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, definitely check out him out on uh, Rockfin. He's right about that. So I know like a mine's delete him on YouTube now, but you know, I'm on Odyssey and Rockfin as well. So follow us over there, but I uh, appreciate this man. And uh, I'm sure we'll be staying in touch. Absolutely. Right, it was a, it was a pleasure brother. Yeah, man. We'll chat again. Okay. See you guys. Peace. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up this phenomenal episode with Benjamin Balderson. I hope that you enjoyed it. And if you did, please share it far and wide. Consider becoming a member at MattBelair.com. Uh, check out our sponsors and support them. And uh, follow us on social media. Telegram is working, but I heard it might be compromised soon, so hopefully not. But I'm promoting and, and sharing most of my stuff over there. If you're interested in the Soul Compass, the Quantum Heart, or some coaching, just hit me up, Matt at zenathlete.com. I'm very accessible and very reachable, and I'm going to be doing my best in 2022 to be continuing this podcast, to finding solutions, to researching the truth, and figuring out how we can band together and, and use all of this catalyst, all of this uh, tyranny as a response to create what we do want. So I'll Although there's a lot of darkness out there and a lot of uh, trials and a lot of uh, just things that are very challenging, we will respond. And even if there's a small group of us that respond together in our communities, there are going to be solutions and avenues for all of us because, uh, you know, people who are connected to themselves, to the creator, to what's good and to what's right and to what's life affirming. It's my view that uh, we will all find solutions for this. So I just appreciate everybody listening to this. Um, if you enjoy the show, please support it however you can. It means a lot because the censorship is totally bonkers. All the social, all the YouTube, everything is just censored, blacklisted, deleted. And, uh, you know, it, it can be frustrating, but I'm definitely not going to stop because I appreciate the kind words and, and the reviews for those who leave them and, and the and people just kind of recent reaching out here and there saying you know it did help and that's the reason why the show is here is to help you and uh you know ideally the world and whoever will listen to this to think about solutions to these challenges to want to move towards peace towards harmony towards living a, a better life and a, a spiritual life a good life an honorable life and you know before this whole nonsense happened i was aware of human trafficking and war and all these different things and it was challenging and now hopefully this is the great awakening the opportunity for all of us to come back home to our hearts to our souls to the creator to do what's right to do what's good to do what's honorable and connect with like-minded people and at the same time have to have love and compassion and acceptance for those who are deceived who are lost who are trying to oppress other people just to allow them be you know what they're doing but don't give them time energy intention and focus on the solutions that we want to create so uh, thank you so much for listening listening to the show and your support uh, i'm sending you all of my love well wishes good vibes positive intents to you your family and your friends and let's uh, come to a state of peace and coherence before we close this episode wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing taking a deep breath into your nose hold that breath and let it out slowly filling every cell muscle and fiber of your being with peace joy contentment faith and enthusiasm power courage and get ready to enjoy the rest of your day so thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.